connect and keep on connecting to youth culture. Youth, youth culture is where it's at. It's their world that we're working on. So the more we can be part of that and, and connect to them, the better and healthier we'll be in the long term. We do have disenfranchised communities where it, it is pretty difficult to ride safely and in particular to get more women and more black women out on bikes. So it's all about connecting people, you know, raising awareness of, you know, who's out there riding, how do you get engaged, and whether that's through Strava or through your local bike shop, it's the communication to me that's really important. It's the power of the bicycle to unite people. Hey, what's happening? It's Bike Talk with uh, your host, Don Ward, and co-host, OG and producer, executive producer, Nick Richard. How you doing, Nick? I'm good. Do we have Jimmy yet? Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Fantastic. Love that background. Yep, (laughs) Jimmy's at the shop. Jimmy's at the shop. Oh, yeah. Always at the shop. Nice. I love it. <laughs> Jimmy was in the LA Times. Oh yeah. Congratulations, man. Thanks. I read that. Yeah, that's amazing. You had some good. amazing shit to say in there too. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, uh, some of the some of the folks a lot of the folks who read the uh the the piece all all comment on the last line about evictions. And, okay. they, and they all have a kind of a the same reaction of uh how bleak, how sad, how disappointing that part of it is. And um, like I told a few people that I uh, intentionally added that to the story. I was just informing the writer, uh, whose name is Tom, Tom Kerwin, that, you know, what I do is serve papers on my bicycle. Uh, and I do that for, I serve all kinds of different entities from the city of LA to the county of LA to LAPD to the US, you know, US of America is sued sometimes, uh, but I also have individual services. So sometimes, every so often, I'll get a, uh, a, uh, an eviction notice that I have to go serve somebody with or you know, post on someone's door. And uh, so I'm just kind of waiting for that to also just kind of start coming our, our way as a, as a messenger business. Uh, wow. because it, it, is, it is a legal process. Um, but at the same time, I'll be also be serving the city and the state and the county. Uh, um, on behalf of attorneys who are fighting uh, eviction, so it's like we do we do we do both things as a as a career company. Um, mm. So, but but the the, the point of my comment was that that's you know on top of um, the pandemic, on top of uh, all the police brutality, we now also are to have to wait for uh, you know the the battle around evictions coming up economically. And how has it honest, been so far? How, how how many like how's what's the eviction situation like right now? Right, Have right you now been serving cool. a lot. Right, right, no, right now we're nothing's going on. There's been a moratorium on evictions, as okay. far as I know. Yes. So, so and that was so, extended. That's now extended till the end of August, right? Or no? I you know what I don't know. I don't remember, but I remember the last time I checked, yeah, there was a moratorium, so that's good. So that's I, good. I, and I don't really. I've, know I've heard that it's going to end soon, though. So yeah, I think it was I mean, the end of August. Some point or other, it's going to come through. So then. We, we, we may or may not get some of that stuff. We'll see. We'll see what everybody is doing exactly. But but I'm sure we'll also get a lot of the services where there are people protecting uh, renters' rights as well. So, we'll, so obviously, we'll be happy to be serving those documents. 
your line okay. was it's well it said any moment now he ex jimmy expects a flood of work as landlords begin evicting tenants unable to pay rent because of the pandemic and it's so so like you do that and your company is called don't shoot the messenger which is such a fitting... don't shoot the, don't shoot the bike messenger <laughs> the bike messenger <laughs> yeah. wow yeah yeah so so yeah it's just it's just you know in in la uh which is a little bit different from other cities uh the the messengers have traditionally been legal messengers so that's like they file documents they do archiving they do research and they serve papers as well you know as, as part of what what we do as a as, a, as an industry uh all, all that has really slowed down for the messengers in downtown la uh because of e-filing and a lot of e uh legal uh interfaces so it's been a lot a lot, a lot more difficult for a lot of messengers so we went from about a hundred and some messengers down to about 20 some messengers now in downtown LA uh, doing that kind of work. Do you employ um, people oh, wow. still? Like, do you have other people in the, in the company, your company? Yeah, I've, I, uh, I'm, at, at the moment, it's a, it is an LLC. And so we uh, have one other writer and uh, she's, uh, she's um, contracted by, by us. And then I've got one office person who helps uh, us prepare documents to go and get them um, served every day. So we've got, and, now, and so we're looking to expand a little bit as well. And so we might, we might be getting one or two more writers out there. And I myself am I'm hoping to start moving away from messengering just because I've got other more pending work to do. So we'll be looking to replace part of, part of, what, part of what I do at least for a while. And you had another- I would, I would yeah. think that Relampago would be uh, getting a lot of business right now. We're we're good. Like we're we're steady. Uh, I keep on getting my mechanics getting hurt, so it's it's hard because now I got I got to do the wrenching, and I can't do messengering, wrenching, dad, and everything else I do. So uh, I gotta I gotta keep my my my, my mechanics healthy as, as long as I can. Um, but right now I've got a really an amazing person helping me out. Her name is Bea. Uh, she's an amazing mechanic from the Church of Fun. And I can't Sweet. say enough good good things about her. She's she's such a fucking badass. It's it's great having her uh, in the space and hell yeah, ha having her energy up, up up in here. So yeah, so I love it. So you're over at First and Bimini, in case anybody wants to go get there. Well, you specialize. Right. Yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. We're 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 in like we're like in like one of the centers of bicycle activism and culture in LA here on Bimini, uh, where where Ciclovia got its start, where the Bicycle Kitchen got its start. Where the LACBC got to start, you know, yeah. a lot of a lot of a lot of good things have happened. Sharrows happened through over here. Um, bike bike happened over here. So there's there's a lot of, a lot of cool shit that that's happened on Bimini. So yeah, a lot of people don't even realize. Well, almost probably nobody realizes how much bike stuff got its start there. Right at the, totally, at the LA totally. Eco Village. Yeah, totally. indeed, indeed. <laughs> yeah, it's so historic. Yeah, and now, and now you mainly do uh, relamping. Well, uh, at at the shop, what we what we try to focus on is dynamo lighting for sure to get people off of batteries and using uh, sustainable energy for their lighting purposes on by their bicycles. Uh, we're doing a lot of builds right now, a lot of builds, custom builds for people, uh, bikes we have lying around that people want to build up. Uh, a lot of good friends have come through; they're really supported a lot. Uh, but the ultimate goal for the shop at the moment is to get back to having the social events that are that are key, I think, to connecting people. Oh. 
uh, obviously people have a good time, but it's also the good work that happens when we have uh, cross-sectional uh, conversations happening in this space. That's that's like that's like the best thing ever. Um, I also I also like I'm a strong believer that when you're having a good time, when you're relaxed in a state, is when good connections start to happen and. Mm -hmm. It's a good time to start talking about really important issues. So whether you're dancing, you're doing karaoke, you're listening to a band, like you connect elbow to elbow, and then when you're done, you talk about, hey, let's get together and do some work on the street, you know. And so that's why I think the social events are super important, and and I really miss them. I really miss the connections that were happening. Yeah. So in this time when when COVID has got us all in lockdown, I'm working on the space to make it even more friendly to have more events in here, have more bands play, and get and get folks together and, and connect and keep on connecting to youth culture. Youth, youth culture is where it's at. That's, uh, you know, that's their, it's their world that we're working on. So the more we can be part of that and, and connect to them, um, the better and healthier we'll be uh, in the long term. You got a Halloween party planned? Something? That's, uh, yeah, that's the plan at the moment. Uh, there's a couple of bands that might be interested. We're, we're thinking about like a tiny, uh, tiny bike shop concert series. Yeah. Uh, re recorded well and everything, you know. So we'll 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 see how it all flows. I've got a couple of people helping me out. I just need some help with some of the video stuff that I'm not so savvy with. Uh, but if it all goes well, we'll have some some pretty cool performers up in this space, uh, and it'll just keep us it'll keep us connected too. So that when COVID is you know more or less figured out in about a year, mm -hmm. I imagine uh, we'll still be vital and 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 we'll still be engaging in conversation. So uh, we're, we're hoping cool. that the, uh, we, can, we can connect with Black Lives Matter and do a fundraiser for them in any capacity whatsoever to help out the causes mm -hmm. that are going on right now specifically. Right. So Don and I were going over your article in the LA Times to get back to that for a second. And um, Don, did you have a thought? Yeah, let me pull up the Google Doc. Don there was a quote in there. A quote that, that he Jimmy said, I, I could paraphrase it. It was basically like, COVID has exposed the weakness of 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 our system like let me see if i can find that google he doc. said it was a he said it was a, a truth serum COVID's like a truth serum COVID is a truth serum so you want to get you know yeah tell us about that jimmy like you're saying you know in your travels you're seeing you know on a bike you see a lot of the you know, a lot of the camps and a lot, a lot of what's going on on the street. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's just, just, just the tip of the iceberg, obviously, but it is also, yeah. um, it's also like the, the, the thing that's most in your face about it as well. Uh, when, when we look at, when we talk about homelessness and houselessness, um, so, sometimes I feel like we get stuck in this idea, like, you know, how do we solve houselessness? How do we solve homelessness? And if, to me, this is just my personal opinion about it, is that houselessness and home, homelessness is just a symptom of a much greater situation going on and, and or situations going on. You know, I, I think, obviously there's like a, a large uh, African-American population that is, that is houseless. Um, institutional racism has, has made that uh, a real number in the same way that institutional racism has made that a real number for people incarcerated. Um, and then we think about mental health. We think about who goes to war uh, on behalf of this country and comes back and isn't taken care of when they come back over here. And, and then that homeless population as well. We think about drug addiction as well. And so all of those things are happening and all of a sudden COVID comes in and 
African Americans are dying at a greater rate than anybody else is go, uh, uh, because of the racism. So COVID has come in and in obviously it's horrible, but it's, it's has, has got the amazing capacity to just put the brakes on everything. Everything had to stop. And I recall just a, a month or two ago, we were about to open up in California. We we're going to go back and open stores, open restaurants, the whole thing. And um, George Floyd happened and that was devastating. And then that Saturday, everything erupted. And not only was it, hey, you know, fuck off with all the racism, but it was like, no, business does not go back to normal because business cannot go back to normal. So when I, when I look at COVID, COVID is doing the same thing. It's saying, no, you can't go back to normal. Uh, COVID is the environment. It is uh, the animals. It is the displacement of people and animals saying, no, this can't keep on going on on this level. So we're going to put the brakes on everything that is commerce, everything that is consumerism, and re-examine how we move forward from here. Now, one coincidental thing that's happened through COVID is that bicycles have had a better, uh, um, a better space now to navigate. Immediately when COVID hit, people were just biking because that's the way to get around uh, because there's less money to pay for gas. There's less resources to spend on just spending to spend in a sense, you know? Uh, driving somewhere five to 10 miles on an, in an SUV seems blatantly irresponsible because of the cost of doing that. If COVID's present and you can't, and you may not go back to work, you're thinking about your economic costs. So COVID all of a sudden says, you know what? You should, you should definitely find better ways of doing that. Uh, because of COVID, my, my own son is now biking on the street. He couldn't do that before, so it was too, too, too scary. And the homie's riding 50 miles now uh, around, around, around LA. That's so it's a, it's a truth serum on, on, so, on so many levels. Uh, and, and I love that it has really just made everybody just stop. Uh, and an, another, another, I think, really interesting thing, and again, this, these are all my opinions about everything. This is my, my perception, is that when COVID started, they were like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. So it's only like affecting Democrats or it's only like it's only messing with a, a certain demographic. But when, when you look at who was actually being affected at that moment uh, with COVID, the message was, if you're in your 60s and you're, you might not be in the best health, uh, you might you might be in trouble. Now, a lot of white males in power happen to fit that description, and all of a sudden, they have to like really take care of the problem because it really affected them uh, specifically. So it was another like in your face truth serum. It's like, yo, either you do something about this, or we will take your life. That's kind of like the message that I see that COVID was kind of kind of coming in with in a in a in a, in a coincidental kind of way. That's so, very true. Very true. It it doesn't. Well, uh, let's let, let, but let's imagine for a second that that it wasn't that demographic was more like all right if you're like in your twenties and thirties, uh, and I don't know maybe you're hungry, and that's who that, that's who it was hitting. You know nothing would have happened. You know that they would have let people just die. Um, well, we already we already have that example because exactly exactly you know, forty forty thousand people die, uh, most of whom are young people on our roads from, you know, bad road design and collisions and so forth. And yeah. we accept yeah. that as a society. So it's that, that not was even that given far-fetched. 
some people were even saying when with COVID, why would we shut down for COVID? We, you know, 40,000 people die in uh, traffic and we, you know, we accept, they were using that as a rationale for not shutting down. Right. The only reason that, that, they, that they've stopped it is because things have stopped is because it can kill them. It, it's, just, it's just the nature of the game that they've established. And if it's not affecting them, if it's not taking their loved ones, they're really not going to worry about it so much. Um, so, again, it's, it's a truth serum on so, on so many levels. Um, and if you're listening to some of the global warming stuff, and how there are how everything's connected. Um, there's more. There's there's a lot more truth coming our way, and uh, I'm, the thing that will make us resilient, I think, will be the things that are keeping us out in the streets right now, which is community, uh, and really helping one another out, and staying true to the cause of improving everybody's lives, not just a small portion of people's lives, and definitely like getting away from the the concept that uh, your bubble, your economic bubble, is all you got to worry about. You know, unfortunately in LA, we do have a lot of that isolationist living where we all mm -hmm. hold ourselves up in our apartments or our homes and try to create these spaces where we're not part of the community. And we just need to keep on changing that so that we are all great neighbors, great community, and we all thrive together. That's, that's I think, uh, another thing that we're gonna have to keep on addressing uh, as COVID and other things like COVID keep on uh, popping up in our world now. Did we even mention that Jimmy started the bike kitchen? <laughs> we didn't even really give Jimmy a proper introduction. We should, we should do one right now and edit it in. <laughs> well, I mean, it can come at the end too. We're still, we're still working out all the bugs, Jimmy. Sorry. Uh, this the, is Jimmy Lozano, the, the founder of the bike kitchen and basically the colonel that birthed the LA bike movement basically <laughs> right here yeah. is the LA legend and he's still going. I'm excited about your parties at your, at, at Relampago. Yeah, so, right. Hey, you said it right. Uh, good job. Very good job. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I have, so, to, I have to say that, um, what the, the article that came out, the reason it came out or the, uh, I don't know the reason exactly why it was formatted the way it was, but the writer was researching, a way to tell the story about COVID in downtown. And he um, was archiving, looking at archives, and he bumped into uh, John Baldar. And John Baldar was a, a writer for the Times a while ago. And he's the one writer that got really enamored with the bicycle kitchen and the culture and the thing that was happening at that moment. And so he started writing articles about the collective, its, its, its roots, what, what we're up to, the, you know, the, the state of the city uh, at that moment. And so uh, Tom Kerwin, when looking, was a friend of his and said, hey, that's a pretty good way to format a story on how we get around the city. So I, I thought it was really interesting the way that he used the bike messenger uh, to make a map of the area of downtown, but then a bike messenger that's, that, that is serving process, that is serving papers, uh, as a way to also engage with like the consumerism and the, and the, uh, the, um, the legality of, of, of our and litigation of our city. You know, mo most of the stuff that I'm serving out there is like fender benders uh, and people mad about contracts and then moving some money around and a lot of people suing the city, the county and the state for for mistreatment. So it's uh, it's just interesting the the story kind of uh, naturally evolves into the story of consumerism in many, many ways, I think. Um, and my opinion is that 
I don't know, man. I'm not super sad that some of the fancy places that we eat are gone. I'm more sad that some of the places where we just feed good people are not there right now. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword to have a, a certain amount of economic growth when enough people aren't being taken care of on a basic level. I mean, if anything, we should be getting funds from, from the government to uh, pay cooks and servers that are currently, you know, that currently don't have work because the club is closed down or whatever, pay them to just feed people as part of a public service, right? Like, is there any way we can get money to just feed people for free? Yeah, if we uh, if we defund the LAPD and take a ton of that money and put it in, oh, oh, oh. yeah, we can definitely uh, help a lot more uh, people in the process. And it's amazing how a little a little bit of help goes a long, long way. I'm going to give you a really good example of how how this actually works. And I have I have a concrete example of how this actually works. Um, I met a gentleman a few years ago down at LA Trade Tech uh, for a group called uh, Encounter LA. And Encounter LA is about folks who live in community, who work in community uh, that, that are underserved, and they try to find ways to um, bring everybody up in some format or other, whether it's education, gardening, outreach, whatever it is. The man that I'm talking about, I forget his name right now, but he was a parole officer for a while. And so he himself is African-American, probably in his 50s. And he tells this amazing story, which says, I was putting away young black men for 20 years, back to jail, back to jail. That was his job. And one day, one of the kids he's about to put away says, hey, man, I know you can put me back in jail, but can you give me a job? And so the guy went away, the kid went to jail, but he couldn't sleep. He couldn't sleep. He's like, what, what can I do? Like, he's right. Like, what am I doing putting people in jail when that's not doing anything clearly? What can I do to actually help them out? So he went to the drawing board, switched some people and said, okay, I got an idea. Let, let's, let's employ, let's employ the, this, these youth here. There was a park down in South, South LA and the park was crime ridden, was prostitution, drugs, gang violence. It was what is supposed to be a community place a haven for people to play and hang out and chill and relax and have and have a peaceful place was 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 the place where you wouldn't go anymore because it was so intense and so uh, mismanaged. So he says, "All right, let's clean this park up, and let's hire some of these kids who are supposed to be going to jail, and let's hire them, give them money to clean that park up." So he goes ahead, makes some moves, talks to some people, lines up some money, gets the grant, and starts to make moves towards that, towards that process. Lo and behold, the bureaucracy that was handling that money went ahead and stole that money and put it somewhere else that it was supposed to be going. So he was pretty pissed uh, and disillusioned. Like the very system he works in took the money and didn't spend it well and took the money that belonged to his work. So he sued them and got the money anyway. He got the money anyway. And he went right to work. And he, and, he, and, he, and he put that money to, to employ kids on parole to go and fix that park up. He gets the money, he goes back to the park, he employs the youth, and that park gets cleaned up. Graffiti's gone, gangs are gone, prostitution's gone, and it becomes a real haven. Now, what do you think happened to that community? Can you guess what happened in that community once that happened? Yeah, economic growth. 
people had jobs from within the community. People had a park and a place to chill out. Like it all actually worked. That is a concrete example of how you take the system and you give them social services and you put money in someone's hand and power in someone's hand and you put it back into their community. And guess what? The community will rise. So anyone who thinks that defunding the police is the wrong move clearly does not understand the way the system actually works and does not understand community at all. They understand the bubble they live in for sure because they want to protect it, but they have no connection, no understanding, and no love for community. So I'm definitely someone who says, please defund the police and put it back in social services because that actually works. Can I just ask, is that like zero police? Uh, no. Def I, defunding I that read. was one of the bingo. There was the bingo, <laughs> okay. bingo square. Awkward yeah, question. Defunding, defunding means take, take some funds away. Okay. I mean, don't take all Reallocating. the funds away. Reallocating. Yeah, yeah. Reallocating. But shouldn't but we, like, as a society, we should have the goal of having the smallest police force possible. You know, absolutely, like absolutely we, we should be building a society where we don't need the police. Exactly, yeah. exactly. The, yeah, the, the well, way yeah, that I, we've been militarizing uh, uh, police, yeah, it's crazy. both in schools and out, is only going toward a, 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 a dystopia. You know, if, yeah, you, if, you, yeah. if you create armored, armored military personnel in the city, you're saying, we need that. And that's not the city you want to be living in. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, you want, you want to be living in a place where you can leave your bike unlocked because no one's going to take your bike because no one needs your bike because right, everybody right, has right. enough. Everybody, has, Everybody has an abundance. We have an abundance of bikes. We have an abundance of the good things that people need. That's where we need right. to get to. So, Jimmy, what's on the horizon? Okay, are we going to do like a Zoom party? Or... Yeah. Like How about a Zoom bike here, ride? Uh, Can we do a Zoom bike ride? We might do a Zoom bike ride. Yeah, no, on the horizon right now, we've got uh, yeah, a Halloween party that we're trying to get uh, together for the space. Okay. I've been working on the space a lot. I've got a couple of new mechanics that are working in the space. They're really great. Uh, and one thing, there's just a couple of things I'm working on. This, as, as always, I've got all the burners going at once, and the oven, uh, and the broiler. Hell yeah! That, Hell that's yeah. how I live and my the life. microwave. I'm I'm okay. You with inspired right. so many things. You inspired <laughs> the bike oven, the microwave, the bikery. <laughs> but uh, check it out. Um, amazing. So I'm I'm working with a couple of folks, uh, and I'm really trying to push for the cargo bike project to be going by the end of the year um I'm, I'm a i i feel like the next evolution of the bike revolution in, in la is going to be tandems and cargo bicycles uh I got social tandem. bicycles I got you know getting kids around getting your groceries around getting your dogs around like there's there's single person bicycles are cool but we need more capacity for folks to get around the city uh and the sooner we have those options for folks uh, at an affordable if not a free rate um then the sooner we'll see more people actually using them and, and getting around i'm also working right now uh with uh people for mobility justice uh and path and the beverly vermont community land trust along with ride on uh, bike co-op we're all working on a small grant and hopefully if we get it uh we're working at uh at making the bbclt area the um beverly vermont kind of cluster one mile area a much more bicycle friendly and pedestrian friendly area and the plan is to create a plan and the plan is to be led by community and community input specifically from the area 
as opposed to having bureaucratic input for the plan. It's kind of a unique uh, thing happening that is uh, uh, a little unique to the state of California. And so I'm excited and honored to be part of it. They asked me to be part of it. And so um, my, my contribution will definitely be cargo bicycles and that kind of mobility. And so by the end of the year, if we're all rocking, everything's cool, we'll actually be able to make some cargo bikes out of the space. Um, and the long term is to educate. So we'd be going to schools uh, or having students come to Relampago to build these cargo bikes and then find families or businesses that need them to be able to see much more green mobility uh, in the area. Very cool. All right. That was Jimmy Lazama, LA bike, great, 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 great grandfather. <laughs> I am getting old. I am getting old. <laughs> still young, still young. I don't know. Forever you were, you, you, you just, <laughs> we have Yolanda. Take it away, Yolanda. We, we, uh, well, you guys can chat just for show. two yeah, more minutes. Yeah, yeah, I'm just oh, trying to get okay. this out. So, yeah, you guys have a little bit more okay. time here. All right. well, say, tomorrow I'm biking out 50 miles with my son. We're going to Malibu through the valley. So, I got I to gotta go get ready and stretch. Wow. And, Nice. Go do a big smiler with my ten-year-old. So you guys have a great night. Thank you for having me. Oh on. my God! Yeah, you Bye. too. Definitely. Much love to everybody. Bye, guys. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Hi, Alicia. Yeah, Alicia's on with us. And what's your time there, uh, Alicia? And where are you exactly <laughs> at this moment? I'm in Ohio. In yeah, Ohio, I'm in Ohio. Right so I'm I'm three hours ahead of you. Mm. Okay. Awesome. Let's get this Take started. Away, guys. Enjoy. Yes. Welcome again, uh, Alicia. And this has been a, a crazy week. Uh, actually, past couple weeks, I'm actually preparing for uh, my first Go Human project, which is a uh, transportation pedestrian effort here in LA. And it's under the umbrella mm -hmm. of what's called SCAG, which stands for Southern California Association of Governments. And so I'm actually just putting a word out that uh, for a webinar that's going to be happening on September 5th, um, where we are focusing on schools and communities of color. And so far, we have two schools mm -hmm. that are going to be uh, New LA Charter Middle School, uh, which is in Mid-City and West, uh, in West Adams, Sienega Elementary School. And we're actually going to be meeting with teachers and potentially parents and talk about pedestrian safety and COVID. So, um, and the, you know, the topic kind of connecting and what we're talking about here today. So just want to put that chime out before we get deep into our conversation um, today. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm, I'm so happy that we actually get to see each other face to face because I actually printed out uh, the first uh, text or should I say post private message you sent me in Ride in Living Color in 2014. And, um, but before I, I, I go into that, I just want to make a note that this is uh, We the People, Black Lives Rolling. This is our fourth conversation mm -hmm. where we're focusing on Black lives and uh, how they matter, how they play, and how we as a collective of Black lives and all of our diversity play a difference um, in America. Um, but this biking uh, conversation is to show how bikers and bicyclists like us um, actually tap into all facets of life. And um, the exciting right. thing about also how biking actually excited us or motivated us on our journey to do some phenomenal things. Um, so I'll start with you and then 
hopefully when Craig gets uh, in with us, I will make that introduction on him. Uh, Alicia, is okay. our, now, right now you're in Ohio, but I know your bio, are you mostly in South Africa? Uh, is that where yeah, you I live, spend I the live majority in South of your Africa. time? Okay, so you're based Yeah, there. I've been there for 10 years. Wow, mm -hmm. wow. So you're based in South Africa uh, with regular field visits. Um, and, and basically, uh, your professional work is that you provide strategic leadership, management, and oversight uh, to World Bike Relief um, and the global ME efforts. And can you define what the ME efforts stand for? please. Yeah, so World Bicycle Relief is a bicycle uh, nonprofit organization, and we provide a robust bicycle called a Buffalo to rural communities in Africa and Latin America. We just launched our program in Colombia uh, last year. So monitoring and evaluation is making sure that um, we're having the impact uh, that we want to have with the bicycles. So we provide the bicycles to school children that live uh, far from school so they can cycle to school, also to rural farmers, to community health workers, um, to people who face the barrier of transportation and mo mobility. Yeah. So we work in partnership with government and other nonprofit organizations, identify these people, provide the bicycle, and part of what I do is measuring the impact of the bicycle, so making sure that we are making a difference in people's lives and, and making sure that people understand that there are um, distance challenges faced by, by rural communities. Yeah, and that, that is amazing. And I didn't realize the, the detail and the intensity that you actually are involved in, mm -hmm. in bicycling um, on a very broad strategic level. I know when you reached out to me, um, you were sharing your story as also a bicyclist, a, a mountain bike, mm -hmm. if that's correct, and a mm -hmm. racer, um, and mm -hmm. accomplishments that you uh, actually had made in South Africa. So tell us your story. How did you even get into I, I live and breathe bicycles. <laughs> <laughs> I see that. I see that now from every angle. And I actually met uh, Leah, one of the uh, founders, right, uh, of World Exactly. I met her That's in how 2013. I with you. Yes, yeah. And I think that was around 2013 at a um, bicycling um, event, Summit Women's Bicycling Event that was happening in Long Beach. Um, so, right, okay. Yeah. And so you've been with her organization for. 20 years? Six years. Wow. Six, six years. Okay. Six, six years. years. Yeah, I've, okay. I've worked for other organizations in Africa, but I've been with World Bicycle Relief for six years. So I met okay. her um, when I first joined. She, she actually told me about you, and that's when I'd gotten in touch with you. I was quite interested in the project that you were uh, working on at the time. So, right, yeah, that right. is our, our, that's our initial connection. <laughs> yeah, and, and just so with Don and Nick lis listening, I mean, this all kind of came out of the Ride in Living Color um, effort that I started back in 2013, that I'm actually able to have the contacts and the relationships that have been built over these years. So tell us how uh, basically you started as a bicyclist, as a young black girl. I know we've had um, other women that have spoken, their experiences in some case have not been as fast as yours. I would say you probably are the first person that has really that I've talked to in this time that has this intense background in bicycling. 
How did you get started mm. on a bike? Yeah, well, well, what's interesting is, you know, I, I learned how to ride a bike as a child. And, you know, I've always been into exercise and fitness. So it wasn't until I moved to South Africa six years ago where I was looking for community, um, just mm. trying to make friends. And, you know, I was going to the gym. And I remember sitting on the stationary bicycle, staring out the window thinking, why am I sitting on this bicycle going nowhere? <laughs> right. So um, <laughs> that prompted me to, you know, go to the local bike shop um, and, and look for a bike. And then I was still feeling like I couldn't connect with people. I was a beginner um, and I found a nice um, sports uh, group uh, organization called Embark that was doing triathlon. And that's how I got started. Uh, so I met some great friends and just started cycling. Uh, just started cycling as long and far and wide as I could. And, um, you know, all these years later, that's, I, don't leave the, I don't leave home without my bike. So I, I cycle for all of my holidays. I um, race around the world. I do events around the world. Uh, I think I sent you a picture last year from India. I was yes, up in the Himalaya yes. with my mountain bike. Yes. Um, I've been to Slovenia. I've been to Nepal. I'm planning to go to Colombia next year and, and do a mountain bike event there. So I just love, I love cycling. I love the power of the bicycle. And somewhere on that journey, um, I connected with World Bicycle Relief. Uh, there was the director at the time based in Cape Town and we met at a networking event and it turns out that he was looking for uh, someone to fill a position um, um, in my field, uh, my skills in monitoring and evaluation, which in the broader world is, is known more as research um, and, yeah. you know, yeah. specifically looking to generate data on the impact that bicycle has on people's lives. And, and with that data to be able to tell the story, tell the story of how people um, are, are walking, you know, five hours to get to health clinics, how farmers can't transport their goods to the market, how students can't get to school in rural areas. And by telling that story, being able to raise awareness on the global development agenda around mobility, and also raise awareness to provide more bicycles to the communities we serve. Uh, so somewhere, the bicycle led my personal interest and my professional interest. They, they converged as one, and six years later, here I am. Yes, yes. I, I mean, um, it's just, you know, the conversations that we've been having that pretty much focus on mm -hmm. both lifestyle, on both the health component of it, um, on, and, and mm -hmm. also the essential worker, and, and how that really plays in that our streets here in America, while we might not have the rural, you know, broken down roads as, as it is in probably many parts of Africa, we do have disenfranchised communities where it, it is pretty difficult to ride safely and in particular to get more women and more black women out on bikes. Um, and so I think, it, you know, when I hear you speaking, I mean, a lot of your knowledge could actually be used in America today. Um, I was mm -hmm. speaking with mm -hmm. the director of Global Bikes um, just the other day, and that was the conversation we were having. It's like, wow, you're doing work over in Africa in terms of which is a need, but that knowledge really can mm -hmm. be used even in this time, especially with the coronavirus um, and trying to figure out ways that we can get people outdoors and, um, and, and, and we do not have the infrastructure really right now, mm -hmm. you know, to do that.
Um, have exactly. You, you know what? And 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 I, I would think that most women, and and even on bikes, you know, would hear the extensive um, work that you do, and and pretty much still be like, wow, you know, I I can't even imagine us doing that in America, in Los Angeles, you know, in South Los Angeles. Mm. How are, how do you make that connection? Kind of being this um, trans global, you know, person going back and forth. Mm. What, how do you see kind of connecting those dots to be able to use that knowledge that you have to work on both continents? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time in the U.S. since I moved overseas about 10 years ago, but um, I came back with the onset of the coronavirus, so probably end of March, and brought my wow. bike with me. Um, was riding around, you know, my, my neighborhood and met somebody that cycles with the major Taylor cycling club. Um, and that was fantastic to me. And right immediately I was kind of linked into a broader network of, um, African-American cyclists. Um, and you know, I ride with them every week and, um, you know, through that, through that connection, I've learned one about Major Taylor to, um, you know, our organization is based in Chicago and we do have staff members around the United States. So I've also learned about other initiatives. Um, there's the bike co-op in, in Ohio. Um, I cycled near their, um, their office downtown um, where they're training apparently um, mechanics uh, to, fit, okay. to fix bicycles. So looking at youth employment. I know that we have engaged with an organization in Chicago um, that is also working with youth in the African-American community uh, to repair bicycles um, and um, train to be mechanics that can then work at shops. So I've learned about some of these things along the way, and I think they're fantastic. So whether it's, you know, knowledge transfer, skill building, or just building the infrastructure and getting more people on the road, um, I think there are a lot of exciting initiatives going on in the U.S., and it's um, just important to tap into what's going on here, learn more about it. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely willing to offer my skills that, you know, okay. we kind of take for granted. <laughs> and and in Cleveland, we've got, <laughs> we've yes. got bike, you know, paths everywhere. So, you know, I'm just amazed because we don't have that same infrastructure in South Africa and Cape Town. Um, you know, there are lots of cars on the road. You're always worried about your own safety, um, just from a personal safety standpoint, theft or, yes. or, or, you know, crime-wise, um, and then also traffic-wise. And so I've just found it amazing being able to ride here on all the cycle paths. And, you know, there's, you know, a fair amount of respect that, 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 yes. that car drivers um, give, to, give to cyclists. So, yeah, I'm really encouraged by what's, what's blossoming in the States and think what would be exciting is to be able to connect those worlds. Exactly. Yeah. Um, either through connecting school children or through adults um, and just saying, you know, it's, it's all the power of the bicycle. So how do you yeah. use the power of the bicycle to unite people globally? Correct. I, I totally uh, connect with that. I think mm -hmm. just from a standpoint mm -hmm. of connecting people within the United States, I, I've, I've experienced mm -hmm. the power of it. And also the fact that, you know, from a health perspective, um, it is something that could actually be exciting and evolving. Um, and so I would say, you know, the question being, where can we start like with our African-American women in particular, you know, um, in terms of trying to, I know we have like black girls 
Dubai, um, which actually that mm -hmm. was a guest that we had here in LA, Lula Carter, who actually spoke. Yes, um, I saw her. Yeah, mm -hmm. a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Um, and yeah, she didn't like the, the idea of me talking about trying to get a full bike or something like that. It, you know, I have the road bike. It's like, you're talking about a fold bike? You you do have a road bike, but the, the idea of having these variety, you know, of, of bikes and variety of experiences, because excuse me, each woman is different, and basically, exactly. you know, I would say that that's one of our needs here in in the U.S. A multi generational um, conversation from our children, you know, all the way up to our older mm -hmm. adults that maybe haven't road and but could ride that they're fully capable of you know getting mm -hmm. on a bike and kind of having maybe education classes or what have you um has that been a conversation that you've had with a lot of women and black women in particular in terms of a fear to get on bikes um and in, in africa is it just more willing and accepted and and those you know are eager to have that experience just for the fact that it is um a vital form of transportation mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, color aside, it's it's an exposure thing. I mean, you know, I just didn't know anybody growing up riding their bikes. I mean, we rode yeah. as children, we went around the block, we all had the pink bike and the blue bike and the, you know, the Schwinn bike and, but people riding for fitness, people racing, I had absolutely zero exposure to that until I went to South Africa. So I think, wow. you know, okay. not only educating older people, but also younger people. I mean, my niece and nephew, they, um, you know, they get in the car and they drive everywhere. They drive two blocks yeah. away. Um, and I'm thinking, <laughs> right. why don't you ride your bike? Yeah. And my niece was saying, oh, I don't want to take the school bus to school. And I'm like, well, why don't you ride a bike? Um, so I think it's, you know, just exposing more people to the power of the bicycle as transport. Um, you know, if your grocery store is three blocks away, you can walk to the grocery store one option, you can ride, ride to the grocery store. You don't right, right, need right. to drive to the grocery store, exactly. you know, when a it's block three or four away. blocks away. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I think it's just, it's changing the mindset. And then I think in terms of, you know, cycling for fitness, um, it's often hard to start if you don't have a community, you know. Sometimes if you're with a cycling group, you know, people are too fast or, you know, they've got fancy bikes and they've got the clipless pedals and you just can't find your way. So part of that is having, you know, people be able to tap into different levels and different types of cyclists so that they Hi. feel comfortable. Even with mountain biking, you know, when I started mountain biking, it's you don't want to go by yourself. I mean, you, right, you take right. a, a wrong turn and you're going exactly. too fast and you're in the middle of the woods somewhere. So it's all about connecting people um, and, you know, raising awareness of, you know, who's out there riding, how do you get engaged, and whether that's through Strava or through your local bike shop, it's the communication to me that's really important. And, you know, new cyclists, you know, sometimes it takes more experienced cyclists just to work with newer cyclists so they get up to a certain level. So it's communication and kind of in connecting people. I, I think that's what's really key. And, you know, I think it's something that we can, if I, you know, when I go to Europe or even to Asia, uh -huh. you know, people biking is nothing, you know, that's what everybody exactly. does. Yeah. It's just part of the culture. And I think here it's, you know, how do we make it part of the culture again? Um, well, and maybe not even again, but for the first time the in a way time. that exists in other places. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, 
I will say, you know, my own personal experience um, just with my family alone, you know, mm -hmm. is that I am an alien, you know, like on a bike and everything I do around biking, it's like, oh, you know, here she goes. This is kind of her area, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, I know firsthand that there is loads of work, you know, that have, has to be done in yeah. terms of um, education. And so that is something that I am constantly, every, every event, every meeting that I'm in, you know, the word education comes up for me. And then also living, Absolutely. by example, the way that you're saying, you know, um, I am a living example, you know, um, since mm -hmm. uh, my 20s, and I actually had just turned 60. So basically, you know, to be able, yes. And, and so, you know, and I'm still, I'm still talking about, you know, just, it, it, you know, it's, it doesn't phase me at all. You know, eventually it will. You're like, oh, okay, you can't just, but now it, I'm still, you know, able to, and that is because I've been writing, you know, for the, since yeah. I was a child. And so I, I think it, it, it's a lot of work that we have to do. And that's why we're doing this radio yeah. show. You know, we're doing this radio show that mm -hmm. Don and Nick um, have asked me um, to come on board just to be able right. to share our diverse narratives because who would have thought? I mean, most people would never imagine you can have a career like what you're doing. That not only what you're doing, but I you never love imagined. it and you get to see all <laughs> over the world. On top of that, you get to be a, a racer, you know, and, and I mean, it's just, that's a profound life. How, how does it feel? I mean, the title of this um, talk show was kind of barriers to victories. What have been some of your barriers mm -hmm. as a black life? And it's so important now to mm -hmm. recognize that, yes, you know, we will have barriers, you know, our ancestors had barriers, but we also have to make exactly. that connection to where we are today. And so, you know, mm -hmm. as a woman and, and doing what you do. What were some of the barriers and how did you become a victor? How did you, um, mm. what were those turning moments for you that you can really remember, you know, that you actually overcame? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, oftentimes the barrier is within us, you know, it's mm -hmm. that you say, you've got a bike in your garage and you say, oh, I should go ride my bike, you know, and yeah, you don't. that's true. Or you see people <laughs> cycling and you say, oh, Hey, maybe I should get a bike. And I, I see that. I see that with my sisters. I see people saying that. And it's the yeah. it's stepping over the saying to do. Um, so I think that's the first barrier. Um, yes. I, I just, you know, personally, I, I, I like challenges. I take on challenges. I like adventure. I think um, and to me, I love the, yes, the fitness. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, I mean, my, my barriers. Yeah. You love barriers, actually. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love barriers, but they yeah. it's because they they expand who you are. You know, yeah, I would it's say it's fear. You know, I had so much fear when I first I couldn't sleep at night when I first started riding because I wanted to ride. I, I had no one to ride with. I didn't know where to go. Yeah. Um, I was afraid of the the clipping pedals. Um, and it's so it's overcoming that fear and the mountain biking, you know, every obstacle you come across and you, when you go to a race, you have no idea what the route's going to look like. And you think, can I do it? Can I don't, can I not do it? So right. I think that barrier for the most part was myself. So just stepping out of myself and just saying, just go. And I tell you, Yolanda, no matter mm -hmm. where I have gone, I, I don't want to pretend in South Africa, yeah. there are not many black women mountain biking. There are not. 
Okay, I am often okay. a black woman mountain biker at an event. And, you know, there's, there would be a time where I'd be not afraid to go, but just there's nobody to talk to. There's nobody that looks like me. And yeah. I would say, Alicia, you just go. You wow. just go. And, you know, it's the power of the bicycle to unite people. So I was always, people would always talk to me. You're riding on the route and people are chatting with you. And then before yes. it, you have a new friend that you're cycling with the next weekend. And so it's just That's like, you just, it's taking that, that forward step, isn't it? And when you yeah. take that forward step, you meet people, you go places you never thought you would go. You have wow. adventures you never thought you would have. And that is, it's the power of just taking that, that step forward. Or, or should I say that first pedal stroke? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> that roll, that roll into it. And I mean, that, I mean, that really resonates with, with me. And I, I hope people listening and people who will listen um, after uh, today will be, will hear what you're saying. Um, because we need to hear that, you know, in terms of fear that has been set in us as in the country, um, because we, it's uncertain, but we can, that's all, that's where we have to start. And that's all actually we can do is to start with ourselves yeah. first. And so I, I totally hear you from the standpoint of when that obstacle is in front of you also on a bike, um, there's no one else that can pedal for you, you know? There's no one mm -hmm. else that can hold you up on that seat. And um, no matter if you're on a flat or you're going up a hill, and I think that's where you work it out. And, uh, and so I think just from a therapeutic standpoint, if you can't afford therapy, or if you also have a therapist, my recommendation <laughs> is get on the bike because it's between you and you, um, and you know, as you roll. Exactly. Um, and it's all about you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. And, you know, I, I know, or I can't believe it. I, it was meant, maybe intended that I, I have a one-on-one -on -one with you and then I'll have a one-on-one -on -one with Craig another time. I, you know, I'm so excited about just getting these voices out and, and every day I'm not taking yeah. for granted. So I'm like jamming in two and three people, you know, on this 30 minute show, just as kind of like little, what I'm calling the ingredients of, of, who we are and what we're doing. And so that also others can hear these voices in this time. Um, because I think not only does it help, it helps on all levels. It helps from a standpoint of recognizing that while wow, black people do ride bikes and especially, mm -hmm. you know, in my circles, wherever, for all of you guys out there that, you know, um, don't know this yet. And, um, but also it helps from a personal perspective. It helps from a career perspective. And I have posted um, your information um, on Facebook and on all of the social media outlets uh, that I am sharing this information. Um, is there anything else you would like to share? Because I know this conversation will continue. This is just the beginning of being able to mm -hmm. see how we can evolve, as, as you have said, and how we can actually cross and create these bridges of experiences um, exactly. for our young people and also um, for our schools and for organizations like Go Human um, that probably haven't seen or met a human like you, you know, doing the work, <laughs> doing the work that you're doing um, in a phenomenal way um, and actually with a phenomenal organization. Um, and moving forward, you know, in the days to come, what's some of your advice as a champion? I would call you a champion um, in terms of those that may be considering getting on a bike after hearing you, um, considering 
how they deal with that fear, you know, and how it connects to everything that mm -hmm. we I, I would just say that 2020 is the year to just do it, not to use a cliche phrase, but everything we know has been turned upside down this year in terms of what we had planned, where we thought we should be, what we thought we should be doing. And this is the year that the bicycle is booming. You yes. know, the bicycle provides alternative means of transportation. It's low cost. Um, it's safe. And there's uh, um, awareness around the bicycle. There's a lot of interest in city planning, even in, in getting bike paths. We've seen the transformation in cities like Paris and around the world. And, you know, now is the time. Now is the time to embrace the bicycle and, you know, embrace ourselves and support ourselves and, and, and go out there and do something differently. I, I yeah. call it, what's your post COVID life? <laughs> you know, what yes. are you going to do yeah. differently that you weren't doing before? And now's the time and, and on, on whatever level that is, but um, you know, for anyone who has an interest in cycling, just to, to go with it, you know, and you don't have to go out and race and you don't have to go out and do 50 miles. You, you meet yourself bye, where you bye. are. And, right. and, and if you grow to love it, you grow into it. I mean, I mean, I didn't, I cycle about six days a week now. I didn't start cycling like that four years ago. You know, I cycled two days a week. You know, I went out with friends. We go see the sunrise. We go explore around town. Nice. Um, and over time, it's just a new challenge for me that I've taken on. So I just, I also want to applaud what you're doing, Yolanda. I think it's fantastic. I've listened um, to the recordings of, of this um, broadcast. I, nice. I love the women that you've brought on the show. Yeah. And yeah, I just imagine a conference where all of us exactly. are together. That's what's coming. That's what's coming. And share these stories so yeah, just yeah. keep up the great work and you know whatever I can do to support and I, I just think it's fantastic and now's the time that's now's that's time. what I have to say well again I, I I thank you and and to you know piggyback on that I totally believe yes that we are you know in that concept of never never land you know that basically that this land is the land we make it the land that we said and thought would never happen and so um, that's the way we're going after it. And we will continue to stay in communication. And um, yeah. I love all your photos. <laughs> and I'm going to just, you know, pass it on. And the work you're doing, tell Leah I said hi. Um, but we I are friends. You. We <laughs> are friends on Facebook. Um, and I yeah, was so, yeah, I'm great. just, I mean, just inspired. I looked at the website again before we came online along with uh, your work. And um, so I'm, I'm, so my bike is right here and I'm ready to, to also, every time I have you guys on, you guys tell me, you inspire me. Okay, this is, these are the steps that you're going to need to take. So I think to be able to inspire each other is uh, what we're doing. And Don and Nick, if you guys have any questions hey, yeah. for this she hero, she hero here. Hey, she hero. Yes. <laughs> um, but again, Great conversation. Hi, <laughs> nice to yeah. meet you. Nice to meet you. Thanks Thank for you. coming Thanks on. Thanks for letting me tell my story. Thanks a lot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And we just thank everybody for <clears throat> just coming in and being a part of uh, We the People, Black Lives Rolling. And thank you, Alicia Myers, for joining us on this Friday evening. And um, we'll get Greg next time. Uh, we'll figure it out. He's in Cayman Islands. I don't know. You know, he mm -hmm. might be out 
sailing somewhere the internet uh, (laughs) but he's trying to get me to actually come out there and visit and bike in that area uh, i don't know do you really want to go to the cayman islands yeah it is like so (laughs) yeah so thank you guys again (laughs) thank you so much thank you alicia we'll be talking thanks yolanda thanks take care Take care. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right. So we're going okay, global guys. every episode. We're going global every time. Yeah, yeah just, you. you know, my global friends were more yeah. available. <laughs> thank you, guys. All right. And I know well, you're moving to, on. We're going yeah. to take it back semi-local. We're going to head out to Santa Clarita. Oh, oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So you're welcome to stick along with us and join the conversation, Yolanda. Or yeah, I'll listen you know, in. You got to go. Okay. I'll get off, but I have a few more minutes. So I'm going to listen in. Thank you. Okay. Hi, Take Nina. Care. Hi. <laughs> okay. Is it Nina Moskal? Moskal. Mm-hmm. Moskal. Okay. Yeah. It's short. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. We're, well, thanks. Yeah, we're doing this on Zoom because of all the quarantining. And, yeah. Um, I got my, my quarantine cut. I can't, I, there's nothing I can do with it anymore. It's, I tried to comb it. It's just not happening. So, so Nina is the chairperson yeah. of the Santa yeah. Clarita. Go ahead. So Santa Clarita Bicycle Coalition, right? Or did I get that right? Santa Clarita Valley. We uh, we span not only the city of Santa Clarita, but we're we're trying to look after uh, cyclists from pretty much um, the Palmdale, Lancaster, the mountains that separate us down south into the New New Hall Pass. Okay. Yeah. And that's all along the 14 and, and also the 5. And the 5, so, yeah. Up to the 126. Are you going to get us up there? Yeah, yeah. You know, Can actually, we connect to uh, Northridge through Santa Clarita? Like, I want to get up to Santa Clarita with our guy. Yeah. Uh, so it's if you, scary to go on. Yeah. Sure. So if, if you wanted some pointers on getting from the San Fernando Valley <clears throat> into the Santa Clarita Valley, um, we're working on this. This is actually kind of an area of contention that we're, uh, we're trying to make some progress on. So you would end up either in the northern San Fernando Valley um, in the Balboa Boulevard area. And then I would recommend that you make your way over to the um, east side of the five freeway so that you can use Foothill Boulevard to Sierra Highway. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, such a gnarly little. Yeah, the go track. Yeah. 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 Affectionately known as the go track. Yeah. Okay, that's that's the first time I've ever heard that. But yeah, I've written that and it's it's freaky. I've written that up to Newhall. So Yeah. And so we recommend that. Um at in the base of the pass you can take you can separate and take the eastern leg and go up Sierra Highway, which has a nice uh, wide rideable shoulder. And the old road also has a wide rideable shoulder, except really at the crux of the pass where um where really the the train tunnels end and exit and it's kind of one of the lowest spots of the new hall pass new hall pass is a gigantic piece of infrastructure if you really look at it from the carpool lanes all the way at the top and then to the train tunnel that's at the very base and there's also a creek down there too so so it has uh, many many decks of transportation that's going through it and we're just trying to get some bike specific um, opportunities to go through the past because we do have people um, if you look on resources like Strava's heat map you can see that people are actually traveling through that pass by bike on a fairly frequent basis then if you want the challenge you can always go through Little Tahunga Canyon but that's a uh, that's you know challenge that's the challenge route yeah 
Hmm. Little Tahunga Canyon. I feel like I've done that too. Did the the uh, the tour of California? I think went through there. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 One year, I took the Metrolink with a bunch of friends, with my bike group, and we stayed overnight. We got up real early, and we did the route from. I guess Lancaster to oh, yeah. Pasadena to follow the tour of California. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So, but yeah, there was some areas that were, you know, freaky. So you guys are working on that. That's good. Yeah. We're, we're working on that. And that's kind of where we segue from, um, from going into the mode of kind of the, the, the Lycra set and the enthusiast set to the advocate set, because there are ways to cross through Southern California by bike. Um, some of them are really favorable, but some of them are gnarly, like you say. So, right. That's so then we get into the the city, I guess city you could call it of Santa Clarita. There it's is a like city. a little town. Yeah, there's a yeah. there's sort of a town area. It's it's very much a car car centric laid out a, city it is so it was yeah. master planned so actually santa clarita dates back originally to the 1870s on the newhall side and with the train line so if you go a little further north to acton that's actually the location of the golden spike that connected southern california to the rest of the transcontinental railway wow um, yeah but newhall itself dates to the 1870s um, the city in its modern form actually is now the third largest city in LA County, standalone okay. municipality with uh, over, over 216,000 residents. Okay. That's not the valley, that's the actual city of Santa Clarita. And then we have sections of unincorporated LA County on both the east and the west side of the okay. city and the north. Um, okay. And we're also kind of interesting in the sense that we are bounded by and large by the national forest a little bit more than, so we're what, what I call a standalone city, meaning that we don't share a boundary with Los Angeles. We don't share a boundary with a larger municipality. So we have kind of a different stake when we go to LA County to negotiate with them for some of the infrastructure upgrades that we wanna see, or if we apply for grants with, uh, with Caltrans or with the state, we're also kind of seen as separate um, in that sense. Uh, so, but but we're obviously very close. We're just over the hill. As they like to right. Say. No, totally. I've spent a lot of time out there. Actually, I have a lot of friends out there. Um, and also CalArts. Yeah. And uh, with musicians and so forth. And uh, I've, I've seen the New Hall sort of little area where there's, it is kind of like an old town. It's right by the, the train tracks. Yes. And uh, Acton. Wow. Okay. And, and, and Sand Canyon and, and Canyon Country, right? And all those. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Okay, so is there like a master plan to get everything linked together someday? Like, has this already been designed? Are you guys so, working on that? It's great that you asked that question because yesterday we just had our last public meeting for the city of Santa Clarita for our own, what they call the non-motorized transportation plan. So that is our bike pedestrian plan for the city of Santa Clarita. We've been working on this for the better part um, of a year and a half formally, and of course for much longer than that, informally with requests going back and forth with the city through us as the bike coalition as a, as a primary stakeholder. Um, so it's really exciting because we've got this massive 110 plus page document that you can find online at bikesantaclarita.com. That's the city's bike specific website. 
and you can see what a bike plan looks like if you're uh, interested in the infrastructure wonkery or the planning wonkery. Um, but it's really, to me, it's really neat because it, it really reflects this time around. It was drafted in 2008 originally. Um, and then our uh, bikeways administrator went to, who's kind of our, essentially our de facto bike coordinator, Tom Riley, went to the city manager um, and asked if we could update this plan because it was already a decade, over a decade old, closer to 15 years. And, and they said, yep, it's time to redraft. And it's been a really excellent process lots of give and take. We had over 600 respondents to a city survey, which is a pretty good turnout, asking for the things that they want to have, safety upgrades. So we have a lot of really great things, like we've got 43 miles of paved class one separated trails that you can ride all over the city. When you combine those with off-road uh, trails that have already been groomed and set up in place, we have over 100 miles worth of trails up here to ride, and that's not including Castaic's famous uh, mountain bike trails and those kind of things. Um, tomorrow, we're working on uh, the, our, our trail users group, which is part of Corba. We'll be working on a brand new bike park, so pump track is going in. Um, so we've got a lot of good things that are going on. They're kind of quietly, uh, quietly under the radar, I think, for, for Los Angeles as a general population, but we're, we're really excited about them. But I've had Stephen Messer on I've, a bunch of times. I've definitely... Uh, President Corbin? Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, Stephen, yeah. I've, uh, I, I know a couple of riders out there, actually, that talk very highly of the, the system in place for the, the bike paths where there's some kind of signal timing that's going on with the bike paths. Yeah. So that's if you a have, program. like, some kind of... a like a transponder or something like that? Is that how it works? So no, actually it's an in-ground, just like with a, a car, it's an in-ground loop or a sensor. And so that's a program called Give Me Green. We're one of two test cities in all of California. We're, we're the one that has probably the bigger system set up. And, uh, and it is on our Chuck Pontius, who is a, a city employee that was a cyclist and also died in a, a crash. Um, our Chuck Pontius uh, trail was, um, is equipped with this give me green system. And so it senses bicyclists as they reach within something like 300 feet of a signal. And then it triggers essentially the walk, you know, like you would trigger the button for a pedestrian crossing. It triggers that early. So we, won. <laughs> we won. We that. won. We won. <laughs> because for years we just basically run the stop signs and cross the street. And it's dangerous, but it's just really hard to oh, resist yeah. that urge. It's really hard to resist that urge because a lot of times there's no cars and these big ass streets out in the middle of nowhere. Now we won. They're giving us the green. The, the technology is coming to save us. This is yeah. great. That's and awesome. Here, they need to do this everywhere. How do yeah, you know, that's the great thing about being a test city for this is because actually the intersections where this system is installed are really fairly complex. They're on a bike trail, I was going to say, that's parallel to the railway. So it's really in the priority, the railway comes first, then the roadway, then the pedestrian or the bikeway comes. And, you know, and so this is great because it puts us much closer on par with the motor vehicle traffic that's going through. And then on top of it, at the, at the signal that the motorists see, there's a big square sign that's, that shows a bike when that's <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> Helpful, give me green, you can look that one up too. <laughs> Feeling all powerful. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Omnipotence. Right. The bicycle lobby 
the all-powerful bicycle lobby. All right, so that sounds great. Um, bike match. Bike match. Can I talk about bike match for a second? Oh, please do. So yeah. I'm working. Um, I'm working, helping to coordinate um, a series of bike match events. If you haven't seen this on the Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition's um, social media on its webpage, or haven't gotten an email about this. <coughs> Uh, LA County Bicycle, Bicycle Coalition's working just like many bicycle coalitions across the United States to be able to get bikes under essential and frontline workers um, who need alternate transportation to be able to get to work or to be able to get their important errands done, necessities done. These are people who may have been using transit previously and don't feel comfortable. They perhaps do not have a car. This is their main form of transportation, the bike is, and or walking. And so we're, we're trying to get bikes under people. We've had a number of really fantastic um, uh, donations of used bikes. And then we've got a great donation from Pure Cycles of over 100 frames that we are getting parts for and building those out. Wow. Uh, hopefully with the cooperation of one of our sponsor partners, which is Warner Brothers, huh. um, who's also donating some, some dead lot, lot bikes that have gone rogue. Um, I work in the film industry, so I know that there are bikes that definitely are registered. And then there are some bikes that aren't registered at Warner Brothers. If your bike isn't registered, it might end up in the bike match. Um, just a fair warning. But we're really looking forward to working with the folks over at uh, Walk and Rollers, with uh, Bike Shop California, with Bikerwave, with... Um, with the bicycle kitchen, uh, we've got um, uh, wow. ride on with us, and uh, I don't know relamp relampgo wheelery. Relampago. Relampago. Okay, well there. Sorry, I'm up here up north. We don't have no quite as much crossover, but I'm working with some of these people in some of these groups to be able to pull off a number of events to build bikes. So if you are a mechanic, if you are bike mechanically inclined maybe you don't work at a shop but you are the person in the neighborhood that is the fixer and you want to donate your time we ask you to please contact us at the la county bicycle coalition you can contact eli at labike.org or kevin shin that's k shin at la-bike.org or you can contact me at the scvbc at la-bike.org that's and, if you uh, work with bikes and you want to yes. volunteer your time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're it, trying to build a, out 200 bikes. Uh, the LA Bicycle Coalition uh, got a fantastic, some fantastic help with, from SCAG to be able to do this with the Southern California Councils of Government um, to be able to do this, this project to get parts to frames and to get things rehabbed. So we're, we're really excited to get a bunch of bikes under people. What a good idea. Um, you know, the, uh, I wish that uh, people had taken the offer. Somebody at Metro was trying to uh, give out their their uh, lost, their abandoned bikes that they have, mm. 5,000 of every year. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't get any organizations to, uh, uh, I, you know, this is stuff that I don't know if anybody wants made public, but they, they couldn't get organizations to step up and do it, I guess, because they, they weren't also offering funds to fix the bikes. Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a huge responsibility to take on that many bikes. Like Metro should be issuing a grant to just have. Is that your off the cuff opinion or have you been in communication with all the groups? No, I haven't. It's my off the cuff. Amazing. 
Okay. <laughs> um, You're so in tune. I mean, it's kind of obvious, right? Like Metro should be paying like these orgs to take these bikes and do something with them. Like, didn't I don't know, know why that. Okay. It seems obvious to me. I don't know. But, but uh, yeah. Sorry, you're having, didn't natural, to you're having a very natural conversation. So go. So I just wanted to get bike match in there. Uh, that sounds awesome. So we have three. That's coming uh, soon. This is coming okay. soon in early. Do, do, as we kind of bring this episode to a close, you know, thanks for coming on. Do you want to give us your social media hits so people out there can find you guys? Like sure. For the Santa Clarita Valley Bicycle Coalition, our primary uh, place where we're communicating is a Facebook group under the same name, Santa Clarita Valley Bicycle Coalition. In boom. The, boom, that's where it is. Um, every once in a while, you'll see me post on Instagram at SCV Bike. Um, and that's, uh, that's where we put a couple of things if we're doing events. So we have a, a Metro Best Ride coming up sometime this month you know we're trying to the chapters the chapter local chapters of los angeles county bicycle coalition are really being uh, brought up and promoted right now and we're being asked to put on uh rides that are helping out with kind of a reboot of bike month let's just put it that way for um for september so so oh. we'll be putting on some rides there and we'll be doing uh, um virtual so that you can come up here and ride them if you want to same thing with MetroLink. we're going to be doing some partnering with them for some virtual family rides that people can take the train and their bike and come up here and, and ride around if they want to. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for the update. Yeah. We'll have you on again soon sure. if you so wish to. Okay. Take care. All right. Thanks. <laughs> All right, Nick, what do we have left? Anything? We, or are we, we just, just have our long, slow descent to the finish line. Cause right now we still have our dignity. <laughs> we still have our dignity. Good interviews, uh, good conversation with, with Nina. That was great that you had actually been there and done all that. Homie, I've got experience in every part of the county riding bicycles. Yeah, that's what you're known for. But it's, <laughs> people don't realize how extensive it really is. Coming to you on Zoom until further notice, until next Friday. Take care. Okay. Shows I care Every turn of the pedal Cleans the air Green in the green I'm saving the planet Just like my friends Dale, Sean, Toby, and Janet No greenhouse gas A tiny carbon footprint Up your ass I'm on a motherfucking bike Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk If you want to hear more Go to kpfk.org navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 